0: Welcome back to the Adelaide Connected Podcast. I'm Peter and I'm here with Jared and we just had a really, really great chat, didn't we?
1: It was an amazing chat. It's one of the best that we have had and that it sounds like we're not um, giving credit to the people that we've already spoken to, Peter, but um, a, a really good insight into, I guess, the reality of the economy here in South Australia, but also from someone who has lived on all over the world, like literally, and decided to arrow themselves back here with their arrow boomerang husband.
0: We talk here today with Susan Stone and um, Susan is absolutely fascinating. It's really great to have an economist living here in South Australia. And you just mentioned then, Jared, about her boomerang arrow husband because some people, they do come and they live in South Australia, then go and then come back. So they're technically both arrows, but Susan's husband came to Adelaide to study, then left, then came back. So, like you said, of all places to move to South Australia brilliant.
1: Yeah, she's got a lot of work to do as well. She's been here for six months, but we're, we're going to talk about, I guess, um, the reality of her role um, alongside the University of South Australia, but also sometimes it's a pretty thankless job because as much as we get excited um, about big events coming here and what they might do for the community and us financially in South Australia, it may actually do the opposites and she has to be the one that delivers that news.
0: That's right. And she has to give the cold hard facts, right?
1: Good, bad or indifferent? Yep. So I reckon we should get straight into it. Um, And if you get an opportunity and you love it, make sure um, you do share this as well because we are all about promoting South Australia on this podcast. So let's go into our chat with Susan Stone.
0: Welcome Susan, an international arrow here. We are so pleased to have you here and I'm also here with Jared Walsh. Hi Jared.
1: Hello, it is great to be back and uh, obviously it's a beautiful time of year as well. The sun is shining across South Australia and I don't know about you guys but I don't like the heat. I, I can't stand it so it's beautiful. But, um, and you've um... just
0: come back from Qatar. Yes, in the heat.
1: Yes, yes. So, air conditioning is uh, my friend. It's not about me though. It's about our special guest. So, let's let's get to know you. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, for the people who don't know too much about you, how would you introduce yourself meeting for the first time?
2: Well, first, I want to thank you both for having me. It's really great to be here. Um, my name is Susan Stone. And I am the Credit Union South Australia Chair of Economics at the University of South Australia. It's quite a mouthful.
1: What does that mean?
2: That means that the position, which is newly created, um, is a kind of joint venture, if you will, between the Credit Union of South Australia and the University of South Australia. And the purpose of the position is to um, have an economist that lives in South Australia, that thinks about South Australia, that comments on economic events and how they relate to South Australia and is basically a, a kind of economic resource for the state.
0: That's really good because we actually don't have a lot of economists in South Australia, do we? No, exactly, yeah. and that's what the Credit Union and
2: the University are hoping to uh, redress with this position. Exactly,
1: that's that's good as well because when you were saying that that you've got someone that is based here focusing on the city because we now live in a world where a lot of people focus on cities without living in the actual city themselves because we can do things remotely and things like that. So do you feel that that provides you an advantage to have a touch point to the city that you live in and understand um, the people that live here and their requirements and their needs?
2: Absolutely. Um, every day I get to talk to different people in different circumstances, whether it's the person checking me out at Coles or the other parents at uh, our daughter's basketball game or just people at the uni or at the credit union. It really does provide that kind of touch base with regular people just going about their lives and the things that are on their minds. Mm -hmm.
0: So tell us, Susan, you came here with your husband. He is also an arrow, so he is from France, but he's done his studies here in South Australia, and an opportunity must have arisen for you both to come here. That's right, that's right. He's, yeah, he's an arrow or a
2: boomerang, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how you would do because he lived here for quite a while um, doing his studies at the University of Adelaide. Um, and what we had... I I guess we're one of those COVID great resignations, if you want to characterize us that way. But we had kind of come to the conclusion that we wanted to make a lifestyle change. And we had actually met in Australia. And that's where we were married. So we both have a connection to the country, we're both citizens, we both uh, really enjoyed our time here, and so when we were looking, because we really could have gone anywhere, we could have, if you can tell by my accent, I'm originally from the US, Um, and as you noted, he's from France, and so there were lots of places we could have gone,
0: and we decided to come to Australia. I mean, your career history is amazing. Just, just looking, you've you've lived in France, you've lived in Thailand, you've lived in Japan, Melbourne, Washington DC. Yeah. Why South Australia? Because we really did come here. I know it sounds like a cliche, but it's really
2: is for the lifestyle. I mean, we've been in big, big, busy um, cities, and yeah, uh, you know, there's there's really there's good points about them and bad points about them, but we really did want to a nice place, a good place. Our daughter was at a good age to move and we wanted some place where it would be more of a community to, when we were bringing her up.
1: Is that a big thing for you? I mean, you use the word lifestyle, but what what does lifestyle mean to you? Because where you have lived all around the world, there are different lifestyles that present themselves. i use the example. Um, yes, I've, I've just come back from being overseas. I actually worked with a, a French woman and she's brilliant, but she lives in Bordeaux and I was explaining Adelaide to her, Pauline, and she was explaining Bordeaux to me. So for myself, I literally get off the plane, get in the car or the Uber or the taxi and head home, which is 20, 25 minutes away. And I live a kilometer from the beach. Um, Pauline flies to Paris, gets on a train, goes to Bordeaux. She's nowhere near the beach. And it's just a completely different, lifestyle for two very similar people so what does lifestyle mean to you and what's important about that word lifestyle
2: No it's a good question because it is different for different people um, and for us I have to say traffic I know it sounds silly but it's a huge deal <laughs> when you're when you're dealing with traffic every day um, and it consumes a large portion of your day it is a big it is a big deal We were in Paris in France. Which, was, which is, you know, once you're in the city, the metro system is great and all that kind of stuff. But getting anywhere, um, there's a story we have. We decided at the spur of the moment to go away one weekend. And we got in our car on a Friday evening, insane as we were, and decided to drive. We were, we were no more than, I'm going to say, five kilometers from our house. And um, almost two hours later, sitting in deadlock traffic and thought, this is crazy, and had to inch our way, finally got off at the next exit, um, stopped and got a bite to eat and went back home. Wow, okay. Yes, yes. So that's the kind of, you know, you want to be able to just do things without having that kind of overhead.
1: Ooh. That's one of the things, Peter, I've noticed over the people that we've spoke to on this podcast, that we always laugh when we say, Adelaide's great because it's 20 minutes from everywhere and there's hardly any traffic. But I think that's something we probably take for granted and why we laugh at it, because as cliche as it sounds – that does contribute to people's lifestyle. It's a 20-minute car ride as opposed to a two-hour car ride. Well, there's, you know, there's an hour and 40 that you could be spending with your family or your daughter instead of being in the car, so it's a big thing.
2: It is, it is, and, um, and it just makes your life less stressful, so it does spill into other, to other parts of your life. You know, our mornings are completely
0: different. Now, I mean, we all have breakfast together, which was unheard of. See, again, things that you take for granted. Yeah. yeah. You can all sit there and have that nice chat to start yeah. your day. Yeah. And Susan, tell us, have you gotten in your car in Adelaide and travelled somewhere and where might that have been? I
2: haven't done it as much as I would like. We're getting settled, so we're trying to kind of keep it local and, uh, and do things in Adelaide to get to know the city um, a bit better. But I have gone to the Clare Valley My brother came to visit when we first, pretty much after we first arrived, and so we went to the Clare Valley with him, and that was very nice. That was yeah, we did get
0: in our car and drive there.
2: Um, We've gone to the Adelaide Hills, but that's not really going too far
0: afield. I mean, you've only been here six months, haven't you? That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's not a long time, but um, hopefully you get to have a little bit of a break over Christmas mm-hmm. and New Year and explore and see what Adelaide really does have to offer. Yes, exactly.
1: Is safety important as well? You, you speak about um, the places that you have lived all around the world. They all have different, I guess, measures of safety, um, different laws and things like that. One of the things that I love um, about being here in South Australia is the safety that My kids can run around and I can walk around and I I feel safe. And that's not necessarily something that's consistent all around the world.
2: That certainly is not consistent all around the world. And I have lived in places where I would not let, you know, our daughter out of my sight because you'd be afraid of what might happen. Um, But I've lived in places also um, that, that it's been fine. Um, and, but safety is here, like I realized, you know, you, you, I'm not as concerned about making sure everything's all locked up because, you know, you really don't, um, have to worry about it as much, at least I find. Um, so it is, it is a little bit, again, more going to that peace of mind. Like you you leave and you went, Oh, I didn't lock up all the bikes in the back. I'm going to come back and they're all going to be gone. And that's not the case.
1: Mm. What What does your day to day then look like professionally? You've been in in South Australia for six months, and yes. um, I guess I'm fascinated to know that you wake up in the morning and you've got time to spend with the family now. But for for yourself and your work um, amongst the university, what what does your day look like?
2: My day it's it's very nice to say. My day is very varied, um, depending. Uh, what I've been trying to do since I've gotten here is to really get to know the city and the state. So I've been trying to have a lot of meetings, and so I meet with a lot of government officials or business leaders or people like yourselves that work and, and have uh, access to the Adelaide or the South Australian community. Um, at the university, I work with colleagues and have been starting to undertake a couple of Research uh, projects that have to do with looking at different aspects of what might be impactful on the South Australian economy, and I also go in. I also work closely with the credit union and talk to them about like economic events in South Australia, and and hopefully help contribute to their to their operations and how they manage their risk and the going forward.
1: Is it more challenging coming out of COVID to to think of everything that we need to do? financially and through the economy where the whole world is kind of recovering and experiencing a new normal. So it's obviously not something that you could have planned for when you decided to yeah, come here.
2: Exactly. It's it's a bit of an ironic situation because, you know, for me, there's probably been a bigger need for economic analysis and thought than there has been in a long time. And it's not always because of exciting, happy things happening. You know, usually as an economist, it's happy when things are just kind of going along, which they have been pretty much low interest rates, uh, lots of business investment, lots of growth and things like that. But coming into 2023, there are going to be a lot of headwinds that we see, um, not just for South Australia, but really for Australia, for the global economy. There's a lot going on, as you point out. Uh, There's a lot of concerns about this, about a transition, um, Nobody is really kind of sure what the new normal is going to be, especially when it comes to work. There's a lot of things going on. As we all know, there's a huge skilled shortage, but there's lots of people who are still around. It's not like they all just disappeared. So why aren't more people engaging? What what are they thinking? Why why did people quit their jobs? What are they looking for in their new employer? Mm -hmm. These are all kinds of just basic
0: questions going forward that need to kind of play out. And how do we see what, what you were talking about right now, which I think is just, just fascinating, and I think Adelaide really needs to, to learn and adapt to what is going to occur in the new year. How are we going to share this information so that people know and understand more about Adelaide on a global scale?
2: Well, um, well, hopefully I'll help with
0: that. <laughs> That's part of my job, yep. I mean, to, to, to
2: put op-eds or different types of articles in different newspapers, mm, right. um, not just locally, but maybe reach out a bit. Mm. Um, I, and through social media and and um, in terms of like getting the word out about Adelaide as a place to live um, I mean I'm sure that there's a lot going on with your tourism um, getting the word out there and and different kinds of media getting people to talk about Adelaide or their trips to Adelaide or their even their business trips to Adelaide and how that all played out as a Is a big part because word of mouth has a has a big impact on people. Sure does. I actually noticed
1: that um, working at the cricket uh, a little while ago. So, a test match in South Australia, and and part of my job is to go and speak to some of the fans and put them up on the big screen. the The group of fans that we spoke to, we spoke to about five groups of fans. They all weren't from South Australia, so they made the choice to actually travel to South Australia to watch the cricket, which I love because there was a mother and her son. From New South Wales, there was a group of four uh, middle-aged men from Victoria, there was a family from Queensland, and I thought, okay, these people are making a choice to, to come here and experience it, and we've spoken about this before, Peter, like, it's not the first time you come here, it's the second time that you come here that's going to sell people to live here, so to provide that, the opportunity and um, the lifestyle that we have, I think's great, and moving into summer, we have our traditional events, the the tour down under is back on the world stage that we can showcase not just the city, but the beautiful regions from a helicopter or a drone shot. Like there's so many things coming up over the next few months that, that really put us on the map. Once again, where we can finally do it after three years in a, in a normal kind of scale too.
0: Absolutely. I mean, like you said, we've got tour down under, we've got fringe, we've got WOMAD, south star innovation festival we we have a great few months coming up and it'll be great to see what the uh, economic analysis is on that as well jared
1: yeah i think so i mean i don't know what economic analysis really means but um i'm Susan going to can
0: tell us yeah exactly what does that mean
2: it means you look at the at the at the uh impact in a in a kind of monetary but you can talk about it in a broader sense because it can be people's willingness to spend Um, So what they spend their money on, uh, how long they stay here, so at restaurants, um, hotels, shops, uh, just these different places they visit other than the event that they've come to to see. So if they decide to – so if the event's on a Thursday, they might take the Friday and spend the whole weekend, and then they may go to the market or they may go – you know, to the Barossa, or they may, you know, go wherever and, and spend their money. And so that's what, that's the economic analysis is usually around spending and people's perception, and will they come back? Because we know that tourism is a big, big moneymaker for the state. Domestic tourism is, is a big moneymaker, um, but uh, international tourism is even more. Mm-hmm. International tourists tend to spend more per day, than domestic tourists mm. when they're here. So, yeah, the bigger – so these events, especially the the bigger the fringe and things that might draw an international tourist who may have decided to go to Melbourne but then come to Adelaide for a couple of days or a weekend as part of their trip, um, that helps expose. And then when next time they're thinking about coming back to Australia, you know, like we had a much better time in Adelaide. Um, Let's just go straight to Adelaide this time.
1: Does that provide um, a challenge for your job, though? Because you need to look at the raw data and the statistics, no matter how good something may be. So um, using the example of what has been spoken about, the Adelaide 500, that is, it's brilliant to have it back, but potentially what we spent on it may not have been returned, whatever those um, statistics are. But it's actually part of your role to go... Here are the facts. As 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 good as events may be, um, and they might be giving everybody a beautiful feeling of nostalgia. This is the reality that we face, and we need to make good decision that's, that's going to be for the betterment of our future.
2: Absolutely, that's a, that's an excellent point because economic analysis is just that. It looks at a couple of criteria. It looks at the like the net the net benefit in terms of dollars and cents. So if the if the you know what it costs to put on an event. And, what it, and the revenue generated by that event through not just the selling of tickets but all of the other economic activity, as I said, that goes around that, if that benefit is less, then, there, then you, of course, you have it, what we call net loss. But one of the things... But this is just... I, I just want to stress a lot of people um, think that that's the end of the story. But basically, economists are just providing one input into a bigger decision-making process. It might be that the event lost money this year, any event. I in the beginning, made money. money. May have made, I don't know, uh, I did look, I should say, I don't know. It may the, the
1: back and forth, there's always going to be yeah. a which uh, side decided to bring it back and the other side who decided to take it away are going to say why you shouldn't have. So there's always yeah. going to mm-hmm. be a bit of Jesus. middle in the truth, but that's why it's great that you can say, well, actually, here's yeah, the statistics exactly. and data which right. suggests what's going on.
2: Exactly, <laughs> and, and and it may just be that, um, and the other thing that needs to be kept in mind is sometimes these events generate it's difficult to measure, but they generate what we call spillovers, so that people who came here um, like it and, and had a good time in Adelaide and decide to come back another weekend. And that doesn't get picked up in the statistics. And maybe they would never have come ever to Adelaide if they hadn't come for an event, and it, whether it be the, you know, the Adelaide 500 or whatever event we're talking about. Um, there, there are a lot of these what we call this, – this is one of the big arguments why, why cities always vie for the Olympics – because they're looking for these spillovers. They're looking to get people exposed so that they come back and that they do ultimately spend more money and attract more tourism to the spot. So there's these cost benefits that you can do about the immediate benefit of an event, um, but it's really a kind of bigger decision whether you continue to have an event or not.
1: So what are you telling people, your um, some of your former neighbours where you've lived all around the world, when they say to you, Tell us about Adelaide and why should we come here? What are you saying to them after being here for six months?
2: Well, often I say I'm sitting outside in our back patio, beautiful weather, having my cup of coffee in the morning, reading the paper, just relaxing, which is, yeah, which is good. Um, The pace of life here is slower, and that doesn't mean it's slow. It just means that it's not as hectic and it's not as stressful. And you feel it when you're out with other people, and you feel it um, just... Just in terms of expectations about people, you know, getting back to people or or, having, or when you deal with people, there's not this sense of you have to, you have to answer like, immediately and get things done immediately. There's this good pace. There's a nice like, long-term pace, not a burnout pace. And, and so what I usually say to people is, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's, it's nice to not feel that frantic pressure all the time.
0: And what are you looking forward to doing? I know you said you've had six months here and you're looking forward to getting out yeah. and about. What what does that look like for you? Um, I just really would, wouldn't mind. I don't feel like
2: getting on a plane again for a while. Um, so, you know, I'm really looking forward to, to exploring South yeah. Australia. Yeah, definitely the Flinders, everything from like Kangaroo Island and Air Peninsula and Flinders Ranges and just wine country and, yeah, just getting out and exploring and being able to take you know, long weekends and things like that. I think it's...
0: Uh, going to be really great. It's a beautiful state. It is and we do have beautiful regions as well so it sounds like you've got a few great trips in mind. Mm -hmm.
1: Is your husband a wine drinker? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I need to clarify something because when I was spending time with my French friends in Qatar, I was talking to them about South Australian wine and they were saying how good French wine is and we were arguing in a positive way because we couldn't drink wine in Qatar because you couldn't drink anything, which is okay. Um, But then I said, we've got nice rosé over here. And they laughed at me and they said, rosé is not wine. Um, And I would be of the understanding that your husband probably would passionately, passionately believe that as well, that it's not a real wine.
2: No, absolutely not. Oh, good. All just right. No, oh my gosh, no, thank no. you. We drink. We drink. In, it. I mean, you know, it, we definitely are seasonal. Um, we drink rosé in summer. It's. I think it's a nice.
1: We've got great rosé. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No.
2: No. No. And some good whites too, which I we always do. thought French whites were the best whites, but there are some good whites here.
1: Yes, I've also noticed that um, I talk about wine every episode, so I've turned this into a wine podcast.
0: We could do that. I'm also
1: that. fine with it. Um, so, uh, and, and what about your husband? Um, what's his mm-hmm. name again, sorry? Valerie. Valerie. What, what's he enjoying about this whole experience?
2: Yeah, he's very much enjoying being back. He, You said you don't like the heat. I'm with you, but he loves the heat. He loves the beach. He loves going, going down. We have a dog, and so we quite enjoy taking her to the beach and letting her run and... Um, so yes, he's very much enjoying also the lifestyle, that kind of more relaxed, less, less frantic. He bought a motorcycle, which he's quite enjoying riding around the, uh, hills of Adelaide. And
1: mm -hmm, do you find that that gives you an opportunity though, to switch off? You spoke about a skill shortage worldwide. Um, and I feel that that's a really good opportunity for, um, business owners and business leaders to find a different way to engage people, like to to understand that our needs have changed, our perception of what's important to us has changed. So the challenge is now put on business owners to go, okay, so there are people, why don't they want to work? How can we tap into that and make them connect? But a lot of that is actually having time away from work and focusing on what makes you happy, so then you're in a good frame of mind to go into work. So if it is walks along the beach or riding a motorcycle around the hillside, to actually have... A happy place probably allows you to be engaged a little bit more in your profession.
2: It's it's not it's not just a feeling. There's a, there's evidence. There's there are been many studies that show people are more productive when they have this ability to sh- shut off. When they have this ability to go to their, as you say, happy place and and disconnect. When they come back, they are much more productive. And they're much better workers, and so there does need to be. It's an interesting because this is this is a conversation that we had a lot at my old employer um, because there are reasons why you want to be in the office and why you want to have that critical mass of people in the office. There's a lot of dynamic ideas that come about. There's a sense of of community that that really helps people connect and work better together. If you don't see each other face-to-face after a long time, there's a lot, there's a, there's a, a lot more opportunity to have misunderstandings and yeah. all that kind of thing. So there is a need to have people in the office, but at the same time, there is, there is this great um, productivity boost by having allowing people the ability to disconnect and to start to think about measuring output. I mean, not by output, but like what people have achieved. And not how many hours they are in some certain place, and so, but that lends it different. Different jobs lend themselves to that to different degrees. So it really is. I think that the next couple of years it's going to be a big transition for businesses and and workers to kind of figure out what that um, new kind of happy place for everyone is going to be, and so we do need to keep minds open and to, and to kind of try to work together and be open with your employer about what you think can work and have employers kind of be open to what they think they can live with in terms of still, you know, operating a successful business, but also keeping their employees happy.
0: I can't wait to hear more from you, Susan. (laughs) I reckon you're going to have some fabulous insights and I know you said before, some may not be great, some may not be as good as what we've heard in the past, but I think it's important that we are raw and truthful and authentic about, you know, what is going to be happening in society soon. So I can't thank you enough. I think this has been an amazing podcast. What do you think?
1: I agree I think this is the best one we have had um, and I'm not going to say that to our next guest or the previous one but it's been it's been amazing just um, listening to your passion but also um, I I love when um, people move to this city um, and challenge us a bit because I think that Uh, being challenged means we have an opportunity to grow and that's exactly what we're doing so um, you've got such experience but also a really calm presence about you which is exactly what we need here in South Australia so thank you for taking the time to have a chat to us.
2: Now I'm really happy to be here, it was really a pleasure, I had a great time too. Thanks Susan.